Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, uh, the, All right. Um, the, the election is actually April 6th, I believe. Correct. Correct. Andrea Miller is going to come on with us and discuss this in great detail. We're now live. Okay, we're live. Uh, and uh, we have, uh, oh, there's Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Hey, RV. How are you? Glad to see you. Oh, John All Stein right. is with yeah. us. Hey, John. Hi, Andrea. Good to see you again. Uh, Wendy, hey. Wendy Reiterman. Mike Hurst, you look a lot different. Cynthia Papermaster is with us. Hi, hi, Cynthia. Uh, we're going to uh, tape in a minute uh, so we can get our, our radio show. We have a big, uh, a really big agenda today. And um, uh, we, we also are going to be joined in the second hour by a, a serious heavy hitter, Ray McGovern. He's also a very cool guy. Uh, thanks to Cynthia Papermaster there. Uh, Cynthia, if you'll... Uh, uh, we'll get on the stool. We'll throw you a fish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> you look mystified. Uh, for those of you who are worried about my voice, I've had a cold for the last week, as Nancy DeParco explained. It's been, it's been raining in California for the last uh, two weeks. And uh, uh, it's astounding. I The only time I've been out of the house the last 10 days has been to go see if I had COVID or the flu, which I don't. And today is the first day I'm feeling decent. Okay, does anyone else have anything really earth-shattering to bring up before we go uh, on the radio? Tatanka, it's great to see you. Uh, Larry Bernstein, good to, good to see you with us. George Ripley in D.C. Um, um, I haven't heard from, uh, if anybody's heard from Joel Siegel lately, let me know, please. Um, and um, uh, John Steiner, Mazel Tavon, heading out to Maui. Uh, we're trying to start a grassroots ah. there. So if you've got time to do some organizing, that'd be great. Uh, Greg Schwartz is joining us. Greg, uh, uh, Greg Schwartz, where are you? Uh, Greg Schwartz has just come in. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's get ready to um, uh, rumble here. And I'm, I'm in San Rafael. Yeah, okay, that's my favorite. Oh, you're in San Rafael, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so we are at, uh, we've got uh, 50 people, and uh, we have an incredibly full agenda. Uh, and so let's uh, get ready to roll here. Uh, Dave, um, um, uh, Steve, or, or uh, Mike, if you want to take us uh, to recording, that would be great. There we are recording. God, people. <laughs> Stephen, are you set to record? Are we ready to rock and roll, guys? Hold on just a second, Harvey. Stephen, are you there? I'm not hearing from Stephen. Yeah, we need him to record. He's the host. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to uh, run a new link, everybody, as I think you know. And uh, so we uh, we have a little more freedom. We can handle up to 1,000 people uh, yep. on any one of our Zooms. I got to uh, spend a little more money on it because basically I'm an optimist. Um, but uh, we we uh, we have that capacity, and uh, we are have we have more control now, so we don't interrupt the uh, the flow over at the progressive Democrats and vice versa. Hey everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman uh, joining you back after President's Day for the hundred. 27th Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. Uh, we have a full house, uh, more than 50 people, to, almost 60 to start. And uh, we uh, have a, a, a powerful two hours uh, to discuss uh, some, some of the most important things facing our country. We're going to start with the great Andrea Miller, 
um, of the Center for Common Ground. Uh, we're going to talk about, as Strauss brought up earlier, a very, very crucial uh, uh, Supreme Court, state Supreme Court race. I wish we had races to uh, elect the U.S. Supreme Court. It would be a very different world. But uh, we uh, only elect them on the state levels now. And uh, there is a critical race coming up, which will determine the nature of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And um, uh, Andrea Miller is with us. We're going to uh, talk uh, uh, in the second hour. Uh, other, we're going to talk about uh, the referenda. We had, uh, uh, we had a discussion two weeks ago, uh, an early discussion of the nature of state referenda. And the interim are inimitable and indomitable Wendy Lederman. Um, uh, did uh, the, some really groundbreaking research on the nature of referenda in the United States and has laid out the basics of where we can do referenda, where we can do constitutional amendments, uh, where we can do overrides and other things. Uh, and, and so Wendy's going to present that document. And uh, John, in an earlier discussion today, John Steiner mentioned there is a group that does focus on uh, referenda, which is great, and hopefully we can uh, coordinate with them uh, going forward. We want to discuss a national strategy of doing state referenda. Uh, we also want to talk about the the dual catastrophe in Ohio, the radiation, uh, the, <laughs> there you go, the, the chemical spill uh, from the train and also uh, the, the trial of the purchased legislation we have, and everybody should write this down, the cost of uh, renting or buying the Ohio legislature is $61 million. Uh, that's been ascertained. And so there is a trial going on about that. Anybody want to buy a legislature? It might be more in California, might be less in South Carolina, but at least we have a benchmark to buy uh, a, a legislature. Then in the second hour, we're going to be joined by the great Ray McGovern. Ray is a, a legend in American history, he was in a very high officer in the CIA, uh, that Central Intelligence Agency, um, uh, daily briefing the presidents and uh, leaders of the military during the Vietnam War. And he left the CIA, uh, has lived to tell about it, but has a tremendous number of stories to tell uh, about you know, our Central Intelligence Agency and what they do and don't do. And he, so we're going to start with him talking about <clears throat> uh, Julian Assange, which, with whom he's a personal friend, and uh, the campaign to release Julian Assange. That'll be starting at six and uh, Eastern, three Pacific. And then uh, we, want to talk, we want to talk about the upcoming election. And then he has very strong opinions about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And we have avoided that discussion because it, uh, well, just because. <clears throat> and so once he gets into it, all bets are off and he's got, he, he really is uh, opinionated about it. So it's going to be a very interesting second hour. Uh, and Ray McGovern is someone who's been a hero in this country for many decades. So we're very honored to have him with us. That's, that's starting at 3 p.m. Pacific. Meanwhile, let's start now. We have, uh, we want to talk about referenda uh, in a couple minutes, but first we want to talk about this incredibly important state Supreme Court race. It used to be nobody nationwide paid attention or cared to state Supreme Court races. And all of a sudden, all eyes are in Wisconsin. It's not just us. We, as Ruth mentioned, there's been a primary. A very uh, progressive woman has won the Democratic nomination. And being Wisconsin, her name is completely unpronounceable. But uh, <laughs> the uh, Republican guy. Azawit, really? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Azawit. One more Pro time. Protazawit. Okay. Um, there you go. <laughs> has anybody on this call? ever met a person named Protasiewicz. Okay, there you go. Anyway, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, there, there recently uh, was a Supreme Court race in Wisconsin, which the Democrats completely blew off, didn't pay attention. Now people are paying attention. I am thrilled to announce that Andrea Miller's Center for the Common Ground is on the ground in Wisconsin. So uh, Andrea, can you tell us uh, the nature of this race, 
why it's so important and what you're doing in Wisconsin. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much, Harvey and everybody. I'm going to be brief. The race in Wisconsin for the Supreme Court, the primary was on February 21st, and there were four candidates running so that two of them could be on the ballot. Now, anybody from California, you're familiar with the term jungle primary. So that meant that there were two progressives and there were two conservatives. So we could have ended up with two conservatives or two progressives, but instead we ended up with one of each. Now, this is what is really, really interesting about that race. Judge Janet Protasiewicz <laughs> took a very big chunk out of that race. She won 46 and a half percent. If we add the percentage of the other progressive to hers, that means the progressive justice vote took 54% of that Supreme Court race. So very, very, very important. On April 4th, we will have the actual election with Judge Janet Protezowitz <laughs> and Judge Dan Kelly. I mean, it's really, really great. So, I mean, if you want to think of it as Judge Janet and Judge Dan, I mean, <laughs> it's a man and a woman. That really simplifies it. But we have had to teach our paid phone bankers and all of our phone bankers how to say protasowitz. All right. It, it's got a, a musical flow to it. So so when you get into the rhythm, you can really say it now. Well, the problem is, uh, I understand, Andrea, in Wisconsin, if you show up at the poll and you try to vote for her and you don't pronounce her name properly, they won't count your vote. Is that true? Uh, <laughs> mercifully, no, it isn't, because otherwise virtually no one would get to vote. She even made a video teaching people how to pronounce her name. So anyway, why is this Supreme Court race in Wisconsin important. It's very important because the Wisconsin Supreme Court in the summer is probably going to hear a case pertaining to will Wisconsin completely outlaw abortion? Will they uphold a law that's been on their books since the 1800s before women can vote? So that's one thing the court will be voting on. The Wisconsin legislature is completely conservative, and they have been working since 2010. We all remember Scott Walker, dare I say that name, Ugh. to basically make voting harder. So one of the things that we have to really teach our phone bankers when we're talking to voters and they tell us that they want to vote by mail, is we immediately have to explain the laws have changed. There are no drop boxes in Wisconsin. None, absolutely none. You can, if you don't mail your ballot, you can bring your ballot to an early voting location while it's open. And you can only bring your ballot. We heard all of this lot from North Carolina. So voting laws are basically potentially going to be made worse, making it harder to vote, or we may stop it and then begin to roll Wisconsin back to something that makes sense. Wisconsin is an extremely gerrymandered state. 
the Republican legislature made sure they would continue to get elected and reelected. So the court will have an opportunity to rule on those last redistricting maps. So that is why Wisconsin is important. And then we have the upcoming 2024 election. Wisconsin is one of those states that has passed a law which basically says, if we don't like who our people elect, then we're going to overturn it. And as you all know, we don't elect the president directly. The president is elected by the Electoral College. So we will replace the legislators from the party that we don't like with our own legislators. Those are just four of the cases that we expect the Wisconsin Supreme Court to rule on. And right now, the court is tied three progressive, three conservative. And we have the opportunity to break that tie. So I am inviting people, I'm dropping a link in the chat to come and phone bank with us now. We are 501c, so all of our phone banking work is nonpartisan. Why is that important? It is important because the party and most progressive organizations are reaching out to consistent voters. So that means the inconsistent Black voters are not even going to get a phone call. When we made calls into Wisconsin for the primary, the people that we spoke directly to and or the people who answered us via our text had no idea this election was even there. If people don't know the election is there, guess what? They're not going to show up and vote in it. So we're working with a local group, it's called Souls to the Polls. And what they do is they provide rides to the polls for folks that live in the city of Wisconsin. 90 city of, of Milwaukee. The city of Milwaukee. 90% of the black people who live in Wisconsin live in and around Milwaukee. So Milwaukee is a very, very, very important place. A Republican election official bragged that he had disenfranchised 37,000 Black and Hispanic voters in Milwaukee for the 2022 election. Mandela Barnes lost his statewide race by 27,000 votes. So the work that we are doing in Milwaukee on the phones is critical. Our postcard team is also working. We've already delivered 193 thousand addresses. We went back, we picked up Hispanic voters, and we are postcarding Milwaukee, Racine, Madison. And if we get more people, we currently have 228,000 addresses. We will postcard the smaller areas of Wisconsin. So that's what we're about. So please join us. Our theory of change is people that are consistent voters are going to vote. You win by bringing out those extra voters that people weren't expecting to participate. And as I said, if people don't know the election is there, they're probably not going to vote in it. Thanks, Harvey. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have people? Do you have people? 
on the ground knocking doors and are there democracy centers in Wisconsin? Uh, Wisconsin is a bridge too far in theory for a democracy center, although we just opened our first one in Manhattan. We have a great partner in Milwaukee, souls to the polls. So conceivably there might be a possibility that we try to do something permanent in Milwaukee. But again, what we know about the voters in Milwaukee, and again, I'm going back to the 1960s with my two Chicago uncles who were aldermen, when you are turning out the community of color vote, tell them where the voting is and be prepared to give them a ride to vote so that they know they have a way to get there. So that's one of the other things that we're working on. Phone banking, postcards. Yes, we will text again, but that will be in April when we are closer to the election. And I will be designing materials for hanging on doors, letting voters know where the early voting locations are, giving them the phone number of the Milwaukee city clerk, all the things that we were so successful with in Virginia and Georgia. Fantastic. Um, I do want to suggest to the Democrats next time, if they want to nominate somebody with an unpronounceable name in Wisconsin, they should try Antetokounmpo. That that would work better. <laughs> anyway, that's also very musical. It's very musical. You that's right. They should it. see the movie. Um, um, uh, will you you've put your contacts, please, in the chat? Um, how do people um, get in touch with you, and how do they donate? And um, um, where, where do they get their postcards? All right, I am putting the website in the chat. I'm also going to give you a link to um, doing postcards. So we have a video and all the information uh, about what you're going to need about postcarding at that link. Again, remember, we are nonpartisan, but our message is going to voters who probably don't know there's an election, letting them know there's an election, and we're also letting them know what they're voting for. So we're not just saying vote for this person. We've substituted with why you're voting. You're voting for democracy and you're voting for voting rights and you want to protect a woman's right to choose. All that is in our postcard script, if you can believe that. Sure, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, this is a, obviously a template for how we're going to move into 2024. This is an incredibly critical election. And uh, uh, the good news is that much of the constituency that needs to be informed is is right there in Milwaukee. So, um, uh, Carla Sand, you have a hand. Carla Sand, we have eighty people on the call. I want to welcome a new group of us uh, people who are subscribers to the Columbus Free Press and FreePress.org. You've been invited uh, to join us. Uh, I think some of you may have. Uh, it's it's great to have you with us. Someone asked, "Do we meet every Monday?" We we do, except we do take national holidays, uh, just to not interfere with people's lives. Uh, Carla, did you? And uh, I want to welcome our listeners on Progressive Radio Network. And uh, you, a Progressive Radio Networker, listening in, can't see the chat. So, Andrea, will you be very explicit verbally as how people get in touch with you to for our radio listeners? Hey, everybody! You can reach me directly by email at. Andrea at Center for Common Ground. That's Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, at Center, F-O-R, commonground.org. And when you're on our website, if you go to Actions, there will be a page for writing postcards. There'll be another page for making 
phone calls. And every Tuesday at 6 p.m., we run a national guided phone bank. So if you've never phone bank using our system, there will be people who will train you how to use it. And they're very, very kind. They're very, very sweet. And they're very, very patient. And remember, we are not selling candidates. We are providing voters with information on how they can participate in democracy. The reaction is going to be very, very different than what you may have experienced calling for a political campaign. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, we had a, 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 a someone's hand and then she disappeared. Steve, do you have a who who raised her, her hand there? Uh, OK, uh, uh, Jeffrey, we'll give you five Carla. seconds. Oh, Carla, where is she? Carla, do you have do you have Carla? Did she disappear? OK, um, uh, uh, I think one thing I have to say, and I, I do want to vent here. Uh, I thought Mandela Barnes was a great candidate, would have been a great U.S. Senator. Uh, I am being um, not party partisan, but candidate partisan. And uh, it's I'm astonished that Ron Johnson uh, is back. And I, I, I think that the Democratic Party completely, I can't imagine what they did or didn't do to lose that race. It's incomprehensible. So it would appear to turn out to black vote. Well, there you go. So this, again, uh, uh, in terms of turnout, voter turnout for 2024, how in 2022, the Democratic Party could completely ignore grassroots campaigning and lose a Senate seat like that is completely astounding to me and should be a real cautionary tale as to what we're dealing with here. Uh, the the idea of bringing out people at the grassroots apparently has not occurred to the Democratic Party yet after 250 years. But, uh, you know, 2024 uh, uh, is going to have its own uh, mountain to climb. So we'll leave it at that. Carla, uh, did you have your hand? Carla Sand, I see an email and a hand, but I don't see a person. No, you won't see a person. I don't do that. But um, this is Carla, and I'm from Minnesota. And I'd like to let the speaker know that in Minnesota, we usually know everything that's happening in Wisconsin. And we have not heard a word about this on any of my political calls. I'm just wondering, we did a lot of work for Wisconsin during the Walker days. And I haven't heard a word from anything requesting us to come over and make calls or do whatever you're doing to get out the vote. What's happening? Uh, well, number one, I am in Virginia, not in Wisconsin. What I have seen is the Democratic Party has put out the call to national progressive groups. Now, did they reach out to me? No, but they did reach <laughs> out to other national progressive groups. And again, they are doing outreach to consistent Democratic voters. Frequently these days, Black, Hispanic voters, they're not registering as Democrats, so they're not going to get a call. Generally, because they don't get calls, Black and Hispanic voters are not consistent voters. So again, there's that double they're not going to get a call. So I call those voters. It's mind boggling the ways that they can they lose it. Uh, I heard a rumor that Minnesota was going to invade Wisconsin and make people nicer. <laughs> is that is that true? <laughs> Sorry. I would want to say you did uh, getting a call from. Thank you, uh, Carla. Getting a call from Minnesota reminds us that in terms of grassroots campaigning, Keith Ellison the uh, re-elected re attorney general of Minnesota was written off by the Democrats by every pundit uh, who was commenting on the 22 election was predicting that Keith Ellison would lose. And he won handily. And, and it has to be entirely attributable to grassroots campaigning. Would you agree with that, Andrea? Uh, yes. Keith 
organized so much of his own campaign. He did outreach to basically anybody that could vote for him. I mean, we all know what we thought of those guys and girls in college that were only looking for the sure thing. Well, it doesn't really get any better in politics. You've got to go out and bring everybody into democracy and remind them that democracy needs everybody. So if you've been gone for a while, that's okay. We want you to come back now and really be a part of it. Yes, and I, I, as as Andrea well knows, the Keith Ellison, who we've known for a long, long time, I, he's been on the show at least twice, um, is a grassroots guy. And he, had he relied on uh, TV and, uh, and the other uh, traditional campaigning methods, he would, most definitely would have been crushed. He was running against a very, very powerful, very, very wealthy uh, uh, opponent that everybody thought was going to going to win. Uh, well, Carl, and again, you we, we, we have to be aware that all this money on TV ads doesn't necessarily translate into votes. It's the grassroots direct outreach talking to people. They're spending all that money in Wisconsin, and the people we are talking to didn't even know there was an election. Thank you, Carl. I think Carl wants her, her camera turned off, if you can do that, Steve. Did you want to say anything further, Carla? There you go. You're back. Thank you for calling us from Minnesota. There. I'm ready. There you go. Okay. Okay. I don't want you to see my picture, but I want to tell you that I'm a DFLer in Minnesota, and I'm going to tell you it wasn't necessarily grassroots, if you're all thinking that. It was a whole lot of party politics that did that. And we were all worried that he was not going to win, of course, but it was narrow. It was narrow. And so the grassroots is not always it. I hate to say that, even though I'm the grassroots person. It's very much a part of it, though, because we look at where is the party not going, and then we go there. Good. Carla, thank you for that. Um uh, we can always count on a Minnesotan to clear things up. If anyone wants to see a great movie about Minnesota, by the way, it's called New in Town with Renee Zellweger. Very funny. New in Town, uh, completely out of the blue, but go ahead and take a look at it. Um, Ruth and then Dorothy. Ruth Strauss and then Dorothy Reich. Uh, Ruth, are you unmuted? Okay. Yeah, I am. Um Andrea, first of all, congratulations on your great work. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but what happened with the McClellan race? Oh, well, thank you for bringing us to that other race on February 21st. Virginia sent the first Black woman, I know it's 2023. We sent our first all Black right. woman to Congress in 2023. Now, in November 2022, Don McEachin won the district and he took 64% of the vote out of the district. We never worked in the district when Don was alive because Don was known, Don was loved. People didn't know Jen. We worked on her race. We contacted 35,000 voters, Jen took 74% of the oh, vote wow. out of that district, 92% out of Petersburg. She's a Petersburg girl, 90% out of Richmond, 81% out of Henrico. And she won 13 of the 15 jurisdictions in that district. Fantastic. And for people who don't know, and I only know this because of Andrea, she was running against an African-American male who was a preacher and was for subsidizing with public funds, religious schools, 
an election denier and uh, not for women's rights either. So, uh, and I learned all that from Andrea. I'm not smart, but anyway, um, Andrea, I know your organization is nonpartisan, but I want to know anyway, if you have any ideas, obviously the, the Republicans get their money, you know, where they need to get it and get people out. Do you have any ideas on what Democrats can do? I mean, they have just shot themselves in the foot, like Val Demings in Florida. And, you know, I mean, they've just done so many things wrong. Ray, uh, uh, Ray McClendon has told us that they didn't help out at all in Georgia. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas. I mean, you're the best thing to combat that. But, you know, we need more. Well, well, one of the things that happens with the party is the Democratic Party and the Republican Party both raise far too much money from corporations and corporate donors. The Republican Party makes sure that money goes down to their candidates. So in Virginia, once you get the Republican nomination, even for state house, you automatically get $100,000 from the Republican Party. If you are the Democratic nominee, and I've been the Democratic nominee, you don't get bookkits. You get <laughs> nothing. The other issue is in the Democratic Party, they love to hire their consultants. It is the consultant industrial complex. So money goes to the consultants. The consultants buy radio and TV ads. Why? Because they're going to get a kickback on all that money that they spend. That's so disgusting. there's plenty of money in the Democratic Party. Just it is how they choose to spend it. Well, thank Very God good. for Very you good. being there. You're the combatant against that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Dorothy uh, uh, Reich? Well, I wanted to change the subject, but before I do that, I just wanted to uh, mention that in case anybody's interested, um, Ryan Grimm has an incredible podcast on Deconstructed about the influence of uh, how, how the Democratic Party destroys progressives using APAC and other big money organizations. And they focus a little bit about um, Maxwell Frost, which is interesting. Uh, and also how Sun Bankman Freed is involved, the crypto guys, and it's all very interesting. But I just want to ask, ask and, um, Andrea while she's here, um, what do you think about this, um, this jury foreman who seems to be so ignorant? She never voted, and she was thrilled to meet, uh, what's his name, uh, Giuliani, and she thought Lindsey Graham was just charming and wonderful and what what's going on in georgia um i'm not looking at any of that yet. <laughs> I, virginia and wisconsin that's where my focus is we had an election on sunday the election was announced on thursday so we did turn out for an election on Sunday, 6,500 people showed up on a Sunday afternoon to vote for Senator Jen McClellan's replacement. Yeah, that's an, incre an incredible win. I was just wondering what your take was because you're from Georgia. What do you have, what do you think about this? I am not from Georgia. I am from Virginia. Okay. And oh, I originally ran for that fourth district seat. Jen credits right. me as one of the candidates that paved the way for her. So that we are won a huge margin. Huge. Yes, 74%. This Nobody was the that. first race. Now, this is the third time Reverend Leon Benjamin had run. He actually conceded this race. Now, in, in the old days, 74% uh, victory, that is what my mother would call an ass whooping. <laughs> well, let, let's do the math here. You say this is the first African-American woman from Virginia to go to the U.S. Congress. Yes. When, when did the first African-American woman 
come to Virginia. <laughs> is this oh, like, oh, yeah. We we, we were like here in the 1700. We were some of the first to arrive. We no, were you were in the, the first 1600. That's yeah, the oh, 1600. that's right. 1619. So it's only 430 years, 400 years that it took for African-American women to get off the boat and into uh, the Congress. Congratulations. And into federal office. Or the, the, I think the African term is Mazel Tov. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wendy, uh, Wendy Wienerman, you got something? <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks for that. I, and I love when this when Andrea gets a little edgy. <laughs> it's great. <on> you. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And we're so happy to have you back um, with us. Yeah. Um, just uh, two quick, quick things. Um, one, I have to credit um, Hetty Tripp for sending um, an update to our group about um, uh, that uh, Minnesota just allowed the legislature actually allowed the um, felons to get their voting rights back, which is fantastic. It's yeah. a, it's a Jim Crow thing. Yeah. And most places do it, but certain places don't in Florida when we had it on the ballot and it was bipartisan, huge majority thought it's, I mean, important to give civil rights back. That was in Florida, 1.3 million people that were going to probably be more liberal and let's face it more we have more people in prison than anywhere else on the planet and there it's disproportionately african americans so that's just the fact so we can infer what that means um so that's that's a shift in the right direction um and i, I just to back up everything that andrea is saying um about the movement of money and the way that the, the dnc is handling things in florida um they just appointed nikki freed to head the democratic party and that was when um everyone's like met yeah and she like she's uh, like i say that, like she's blue on the outside red on the inside she's friends with matt gates she really split the vote and during the governor's race you know she attacked chris more than she did desantis so by the time you know the actual election came around people weren't engaged to actually go out and vote because it wasn't a presidential race and it's really hard to get democrats to the polls if it's not you know the four-year thing and so, um, yeah, just, you know, and we had a really great progressive candidate. You guys met um, Carolina Ampudia, a friend of mine, and, and she had tons of endorsements, but she was getting shunned from every engagement and reach out. And they just they, they installed somebody that's just going to hold the door open for the opposition. And I, the DNC likes to go to sleep during the election season. They think it's hibernation. So I just wanted to mention that it's really important thank to you. have the grassroots. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Of course, you understand that if felons can vote in uh, Florida, that means Trump is going to be able to cast a ballot in 24. So just be careful on that. No, no, no. Anyway. We're not allowing people to vote from prison, Harvey. Oh, why not? Oh, anyway. OK. All right. So listen, we still have 80 people with us. Fantastic. Andrea, it's always an honor to have you with us. Uh, we do want to get to some other topics, but Cynthia Papermaster has raised her hand. I don't know if you two know each other. Andrea and Cynthia, you should be in, in touch with each other. Andrea, uh, Cynthia is with Code Pink in the Bay Area. Hi. So there you go. Hi, Cynthia. I've known Medea for years. Medea is a Code Pink member as well. So <laughs> did you want to say something? Um, yeah, I Cynthia? do. I do. Um, uh, uh, I just want to say that I attended Barbara Lee's campaign kickoff rally in Oakland yesterday, and I want to encourage people to look at her candidacy. I know this is a nonpartisan meeting, but I notice a lot of talk about Democratic Party politics in this meeting, and she I hope she gets to the Senate. I just want to add that she's uh, will be the only black woman in the U.S. Senate if she gets elected to Senate. That's, okay. all I want to say. That's all I want to say. <laughs> uh, as a historian, there are, I want to point out very quickly, then we're going to go to Ohio and get you off the hook, uh, Andrea. Uh, but I can't, with Barbara Lee, who I've met a number of times, there are instances in American history where one person did something that no one else would do. In World War, in, uh, on December 8th, 1941, Jeanette Rankin was the one person in the U.S. Congress, in either house, who voted against going to war after Pearl Harbor. She had also, she's also the only one who voted uh, in, in, against World War I as well. And there were 50 who voted against World War I. She had just been elected the first woman to the U.S. Congress. And the first vote she cast is against getting into World War I. Um, 
The Senator Russ Feingold from uh, Wisconsin was the only senator to vote against the Patriot Act. And uh, Barbara Lee, there are some others, but Barbara Lee is the only one who voted against the Iraq war. The only one uh, in, the, in the U.S. Congress. Oh, you're, you're shaking your head. No, it's it, it is true. Sluggo, Sluggo, no, she voted against the Afghanistan war. Oh, I'm sorry. OK, the Afghanistan war. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for that. And she she took a ton of she got tremendous hate mail from it. But she has continued to be reelected. And I'm glad she's running for U.S. Senate. So thank you for that. Uh, Andrea, is there anything else? Thank you, Cynthia. Any, anything else, Andrea? Okay, so um, everybody, we are going to continue every week to have a short, short section on Wisconsin. This is an incredibly important race. It could actually determine the presidency of the United States. Because if the Wisconsin... Um, uh, uh, Supreme Court has an anti-democracy majority, the votes from Wisconsin could go anywhere. And and uh, and they could, in fact, change the country. There was the situation where you mentioned Scott Walker. The situation in Wisconsin has just been mind-boggling for the last 20 years. And this is actually the linchpin of the whole deal. So remember, not only take and Andrea's contacts, but send them to other people as well, please. Okay. And it's Andrea Miller at Center for Government Gr Ground. No, no, just Andrea. Andrea at Andrea Center, at Center for Common Ground. Ground. I'm putting and it in the chat again. Yes. And Andrea, Andrea at Center for Common Ground.org. Yes. Go Andrea, ahead. Did you want to make a closing statement? No. No, okay, she did. Thank, thank you so you. much, Andrea. Okay, Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Okay, and good luck in Wisconsin. Um, 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 as, as people who went to Michigan, both Nancy and I will be rooting for Wisconsin uh, in a month. The election, I believe, is April 6th. So there you go. Uh, uh, now we want to turn to um, the issue of referenda, and then we're going to talk about Ohio. We only got 14 minutes to do it, but we can do it. Uh, I asked Wendy Lederman uh, to compile a definitive list uh, uh, of information on referenda, statewide referenda rights in the United States, which is about half the country. Wendy, can you give us a, a quick link and tell us what you found? Sure, I'm grabbing that link for you um, right now. So, um, yeah, the, the importance of referendum um, is particularly that it really comes down to the citizens' ability to have control over their government. Sorry for the, the noise. Um, so when you pass um, a referenda, particularly um, a constitutional amendment, the legislature basically can't override it. And there are several types of initiatives and in referenda. You can have direct and indirect, which the direct is when the legislature can't step in, which is like what we have in Florida here. And then there are other ones where um, once you gather enough petition signatures, then it has to kind of get approved by the legislature. And um, there's different ways that the legislature can sometimes step in. And, and this is in particular places um, and they can kind of amend it or they can do competing um, competing initiatives. But I'm um, sorry, it's a little difficult for me to um, to multitask here, but let me get. Yeah, you OK, so here. what we want to know is. If you'll put up the list, Steve, can you post I got it. what she's got there? Yeah, it's um, right there. There are 24 states, I believe, is it 24 or 25 in the United States, where with very large amounts of signatures, you can get on the ballot. Sometimes you have to jump through the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, sometimes through the legislature, usually the attorney general and the secretary of state also get their 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 grips on it one way or another. We had referenda in Ohio on, um, on a bailout for a nuclear plant. Both the Secretary of State and the Attorney General messed with it, uh, um, made sure there wasn't enough time to get uh, signatures. They actually physically intimidated signature gatherers in Ohio uh, on this referendum to repeal the nuclear bailout. Physical assaults on uh, our signature gatherers in Ohio. We can expect that. But the bottom line is 
Uh, it, it, on the other side, uh, in Michigan in 2020, 20 or 22, uh, the uh, uh, more than 750,000 signatures were gathered to put a pro-choice amendment on the Constitution. And this, of course, is if and it, and it won overwhelmingly um, uh, uh, by, I believe, more than 60 percent. And this, of course, affects an entire election. If you are in the business of gathering signatures, you know, six, eight, ten months out from an election, you're going to have to build a grassroots organization. And that grassroots organization is going to carry into the election. It's no accident that Michigan is now uh, a very different place politically than it was before the last election. And the, the referendum certainly had a, 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 a um, hand in that. So what we're talking about here is referenda in about two dozen states, the possibility of doing it, uh, particularly on four issues. Uh, a choice, which is uh, obvious, uh, pot, legalized pot, I believe only two uh, states have turned down um, um, referenda on pot. Uh, extending Medicare, CAID, extending Medicaid benefits, which is a big deal and I think is an issue in Florida, as uh, uh, Wendy, and um, uh, gerrymandering. Uh, all the all the anti-gerrymandering referenda have passed. You know, they've trashed it in Ohio with the legislature. It is not a popular thing they're doing. We're going to have to find a way around that. But we won in Ohio twice. Uh, and so, and then our other, other issues as well. So, uh, 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 Wendy, what do you, can you show us the list? Yeah, I mean, if you want, I can do a, a quick little screen share. Please, and, very um, quickly. Yeah, you got it. And so, um, yeah, and I'll, I'll give an example, too, of just in uh, Florida a couple of years ago. I worked for, um, sorry, I'm a little... Uh, so this is the link and you can download it. Um, but I do want to give just a quick example of the, the intimidation because we've had um, a ballot initiatives that I've worked on to end the monopoly of FPNL and the utilities. And I've been followed in the field. I've had to call security several times for people recording me and just trying to intimidate me because that's the power that these things have. And um, it's true that um, Things have to like go through and get constitutional review of the Supreme Court and the um, state attorney generals. And here in this list, it'll show what each state has to do to 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 get these things on the ballot. And and, and forgive me, I'm having a little bit of dental issues, so my sleep is a little. I'm a little slow. If you're fine. You're fine. Just, Thank just you. You're doing so great. um, this is just um basically defining what um the initiative processes are because there's also something called a veto referendum. So if the legislature puts forth a law, like say banning abortions, the citizens can stop get here. Stop right. Stop right here. No, go to this, go to the list with the one that has the states that can do it. I'm going to show oh. you something else right here. It, it's okay. a little bit better. So oh, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. that. And then I have this here as well. So this is all the states of what kinds they can do, but this right here, you can, these are all hyperlinks. And if you click on those, like this tells you how many signatures. So this is for a constitutional amendment right here. This is to change a state statute. And then this is a veto referendum. If you want to um, take like the legislature creates a law that the citizens don't agree with, they can veto it through referendum. And so this is all the um, the amounts of signatures needed with the hyperlinks to each state that will give you a link of um, much more detail on the process of creating one, which I have down here. Um, so um, this is the amount of signatures required, but I want to show you, um, these are the states right here. And the list that I've actually compiled and gone through, which summarizes what those hyperlinks would lead to, right? So these are um, for each um, of the 26 states plus Washington, D.C., so this is to, to credit where I'm getting a lot of this information. This came from Bellatopia, Wikipedia. And then there's also at the bottom of each state, there's the link to the actual law and on um, in the statute and the amendment for that that state that will give you specific straight from the source info. So this just tells you about what the restrictions are. Can um can a referendum be used against emergency legislation? Does it have to be restricted to only one subject? 
um, any particular topics that it can that it can't apply to. Um, this is how you go about applying, like how many, the, just the whole process of it. And um, can the legislature uh, alter it? Um, do you, uh, can you reattempt an initiative if, if it fails? What are the um, distribution requirements? Um, what are the deadlines? What are the effective dates? And here are the, um, the laws at the bottom, that's for every state. And I do wanna say real quick um, about the distribution requirements, because I found there's some interesting little quirks to these that I discovered as I'm researching, like say Mississippi can technically, they have the ability to create a ballot amendment, but when they drafted the amendment that allowed it, they did it so that you had to have a distribution of a certain percentage in all five congressional districts. Well, apparently they lost a congressional district, so it's physically impossible now for people to put anything on the, the ballot because there aren't five districts. And in Florida, they've made it so that um, you have to have 8% in each congressional district where it's just a lot higher than opposed to having counties or the way that they, they've judged it. There's also different um, super majorities. Once it gets on the ballot, sometimes you have to have, like in Florida, you have to have 60% and the legislature just made it so that we're gonna have to have 67% of voter turnout apply for something, even if it gets 900,000 signatures on, on to get it onto the ballot. So this basically um, just shows for each of the 26 states that are listed above um, what you'd have to do, what what type of um, referenda or initiative is allowed and um, just everything that um, that it takes to do it. And then if you, you click on either this link here, it gives a little more detail and then the actual law is down here at the bottom for um, which laws govern that. And that's for each state. So thank you, Harvey. Wow, what a, that's a fantastic document you've created, Wendy. Uh, we wanna thank you for it. Thank and, you. Uh, hopefully it'll be it'll be useful all the way through 24. Uh, uh, John Steiner, I've talked a bit about this. So there is a group that does referenda. What, what's the name of the group? Uh, John, hold on, you're muted. There you go, I think. Yeah, uh, Harvey, I put it in chat. It's called represent us, represent.us. They've been okay. at this for 10 years and their theory of change has been working at the state level. Fantastic. Wendy, if you'll get in touch with that group, that'd be great. Uh, Wendy, I'm happy to do a, an intro and we can do some emailing back and forth. Sounds great. Yeah, reach out to me, John. Thank you so much. And I want to say thank you to Harvey for having this wonderful idea. I know a few people that work in... Um, the business of of getting amendments on the ballot, and they're just so appreciative that this resource will be available. So I was really happy to do it, and I appreciate it. Oh, well, you, you did a great job. Thank you so much. And be in touch with them, please, and we'll have them come. They're in Western Mass, John. Is that right? Oh, uh, they're located in Western Mass. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the uh, along with Billy Wamps, that there's a the usual fit of a hotbed of, of social change. Colleen, uh, Colleen, you had a, a hand, and then we're going to, I want to say goodbye to my Progressive Radio Network listeners, by the way. The hour is up. If you want to see the rest of this, this will continue for another hour at least. Go to um, uh, electionprotection2024.org, electionprotection2024.org for the for the next hour. Uh, go ahead, Colleen Klein. Uh, I'm pretty new to this, but I wanted to join. And like Wendy, I'm also in Florida for the last four or five years. So I actually wanted to ask Wendy a question because um, it's pretty confusing to me. So I need some clarification. So like Wendy, if we wanted to get uh, some sort of referendum on Florida's, let's say the next election to change the abortion laws, Hypothetically, how would we do that? Well, there would be um, two ways to do it. And again, in the document, it has the actual like instructions on how to apply, like the technical, like this is, um, you have to have, and I'd, I'd have to look at it again to show you, to say exactly for, for Florida, because I went through 26 of them, so I don't want to get them confused. Right, um, but basically you have um, the, and, and for each state, it's a little bit different, um, but you have to present um, the, initiative basically and and florida actually has a word count on what the um the summary of the ballot has to be which is only 75 words which was i mean when desantis got to office one of the very first things he did was make it much harder to get a citizen's initiative he restricted um petitioners and their ability to petition um and everything that it took to get a, a 
a measure on the ballot. But I think that there would be two ways to go about it. You could either um, create a ballot amendment. Actually, you know what? We don't, I was going to say a veto referendum, but we don't allow that in Florida. The only one in Florida that we allow is a constitutional amendment change. And I actually do have a friend that's been considering um, doing that. Uh, so basically, I mean, you have, um, you get together everybody that, that wants to do it. You, you write out what you want to see on the, um, the amendment. And I would suggest like talking to a constitutional lawyer about it because it has to go through the process of being well, approved for constitutional review. Are you going to say something? Slogan? Yes. I think uh, Colleen, you and Wendy should be in touch. I, I was yeah. about to say that I, I, if Wendy, if you could put your number, or I'll put my telephone number in the chat. Yeah, I'll put my email in there. Okay. So what we'll do is you can use this zoom uh, uh, center to start to pull people together. You've got, a year and a half now, a, an abortion rights amendment on the 2024 ballot in Florida would be a huge deal. It I mean, you know, well, you, I'm not sure with Ron DeSantis, you can win anything, but you can absolutely change the picture of electoral politics in Florida. Uh, with a, about a constitutional amendment on the ballot in 24. I didn't mean to say that, by the way. You can beat Ron DeSantis. This is the way to do it. Absolutely. So uh, this is the uh, president to creation here. And you guys, guys be in touch and, and start a statewide uh, campaign. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what? we conceived. Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden.